Welcome to Rethinking Church. This is episode six. As we continue to talk about some of the lessons that I learned during the season when I kind of fell out of love with the church. Chances are that if you are a leader in the church, if you are a pastor, there has been a season in life where you questioned your involvement with ministry, with the church. Maybe if you are a vocational pastor, you questioned finding another line of work and wondered if ministry was really for you, if you were making a difference, if it mattered what you were doing, if there was any purpose to the anonymity that you felt, any purpose to the challenges that you were facing. And, and I want to come alongside and just encourage you to believe again in what's possible, to believe again that you matter and your ministry matters. Now, I find that when I am feeling least confident in what I am doing, when I am feeling most anonymous, when I am feeling obscure and in, even like I'm hidden from the sight of God, I start to make excuses. I start to make excuses for why things aren't working in the church. I start to make excuses for why people won't follow the vision that we've laid out. I'll start to make excuses for why I can't get things done, why I can't focus. In the worst cases, I start to make excuses and rationalize even temptation. I think it's really important that as leaders, we refuse to believe our own excuses. There are all kinds of excuses for anything that we don't want to do or anything that we feel like we have failed to do but don't want to admit it. One of the most common things we hear in the church is my people won't or our people won't or our team just won't do that. We can't get our people to do whatever it is. And I, and I think that that being one of the most common excuses is really just a false excuse. It's not real because the problem is rarely someone else. When it comes to leadership, the problem is our problem and leaders own problems so that they can find solutions. When we start to make excuses, the best place we can begin to look is inward. There is this, this reality that people will go where leaders take them. So if our people won't be welcoming, or our people won't change to a new style of music, or our people won't go in uh, outreach, or they won't serve in a pantry, or they won't do whatever, chances are we've not led them to. We may have thrown out a vision, we may have even developed a strategy, we may have talked about it, but for one reason or another, in one shape or another, we have failed to lead them into something new. There are lots of factors in that. One of the biggest factors is the culture of the church. Have we dealt with the beliefs and the values and the behaviors that have dominated the church for years? Or have we failed to actually communicate? We think we've communicated, but we've not really communicated why we can't stay where we are and why we have to go to this new place and and why this vision has to happen. We can come up with all kinds of excuses when we fail to lead people where they need to go. We can come up with excuses for our own behavior. I think that we have all kinds of reasons why 
we don't work to improve our preaching every week, why we don't work to improve our communication, why we don't work to improve our facilities or our online presence or our, or, or our ability to reach out and make disciples. We get stuck in the, the routines and even the ruts of the way that we've always done things, and it becomes an excuse for not doing something new. We have a God who is innovative, who is creative, who from the very beginning of time in our world has been about doing new things. And when he is on our side, do we really have any excuse at all? When he has called us to something, do we really have any excuse at all? One of my favorite stories in the Old Testament is found in 1 Samuel. 1 Samuel chapter 13 and chapter 14. And, and it's the story of Saul and his failure to wait on Samuel to offer the sacrifice before he attacks the Philistines. And then it's what happens after that really is interesting to me. Saul takes what few soldiers he has left after people are abandoning him. And he goes and he kind of rests. He goes and he hides. He hides in this valley under a, a pomegranate tree. And, and it says that there are 600 soldiers, but they only have two swords. The Philistines, their enemy is up above them on a ridge. But God has promised them. God has promised them victory. And when you look her in the story, he has a priest there who is able to offer the sacrifice. He has weapons. He has men. He has a God who has said, it's time to go. But he's resting, fearful. His failure in the past has paralyzed him and become an excuse. For many of us, we are marked by excuses that are defined by our past. We tried and we failed. We, something didn't work, we were hurt in the last church, or we were betrayed, or something happened to us, and it's frozen us in this place. And we're just under the pomegranate tree, doing the bare minimum to get by in leadership. But it's, it's Saul's son, Jonathan, who makes a move. He talks to his armor bearer, who certainly didn't have one of the two swords, and he says, I have an idea. Let's go up and, and just climb the cliff, peek our heads over, and see what the Philistines say to us. If they say, come here, and, so that we can kill you, then we know God has given them into our hands. But if they say, we're coming to you, then run, because we need to get out of here. And there's this, this verse, 1 Samuel chapter 14, verse 6. And in that verse, Jonathan says, if God is for us, then we're going to be okay. I mean, what can stop God from winning a victory, whether it's with a few people or a lot of people? Sometimes in church today, our, our biggest excuse is our size. We feel like we're too small. 75% of Wesleyan churches are under the size of 125 regular attenders, and, and then nationwide 80 to 90 percent of churches are under 100 people in regular attendance and we look at the big churches and we look at the conference speakers and we look at those around us who seem to be doing big things who seem to be making a difference who who make the change who set the trends who do something remarkable and we think well if our church was bigger 
If we had more weapons, if we had more people, if we had more tools, then we could do that too. But who's to say that God won't bring the victory? What's going to stop him if he wants to, whether it's with a few people or a lot? We're certainly not going to find out as long as we are making excuses and hiding out under the pomegranate tree. I believe that he's called you. I believe that he's put your church where it is for a purpose. I believe that there is work in the mission for you to do. But as long as you and I are making excuses, we're never going to be doing the work that he's asked us to do. We're never going to answer the call. Can I challenge you a little bit? Write down your excuses and then burn them, shred them. Get rid of them somehow and begin to find new vision and new dreams and new pathways that take you beyond your excuses. In Isaiah chapter 43, he says that I am doing something new and I make pathways through the wilderness. Will you let him make a new pathway for you? It will move you beyond your excuses. You may try something you've never tried before. But as long as you're making excuses, you're not making progress. There's no way to make both. I believe in you, and I can't wait to see what God will do in you and through you when you start to set aside your excuses. This is the Rethinking Church podcast, and we are so thankful that you listen in. And we'd love to hear from you. Leave us a comment, subscribe, share it with someone you know. We'll be dropping new content every Monday. We look forward to getting to know you more.